keep the faith I'm gonna hold this banner high I'm gonna finish my race I'll receive hidden manna and a new white stone When I win this war Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another awesome episode of Defining the Dash. Today is going to be great. I know everybody loves hearing from Brother Mark Mullins, and so uh, he and I have always tried to be as transparent with you as we can in order to to help you and to maybe uh, help some young people to learn from mistakes and things that we've made and and show just God's mercy and grace. Um to us and and he is no respecter of person and and so if he don't do it for us then then he'll definitely do it for you so uh we've always tried to show that and so today we felt like having brother mark uh go into some of his testimony and and sharing what god has done for him and how he has helped him through his life how he has guided him and and just just the awesome awesome things that God has done in, in, in the direction of Brother Mark's life. Brother Mark, it's always awesome to have you on as a uh, co-host and as one of my best friends, but today, buddy, it's awesome to have you as uh, a guest on the show. And I'm, I've already got to get a glimpse of some of the things that you're probably going to share. And man, I am super, super excited just to hear what and all you've got to tell us today. Well, I appreciate the kind invitation, Brother Chad, and uh, also got to realize that um, there's nobody else we could ask tonight. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, um, it's going to be here anyway. We did say we tried to be transparent, didn't we? <laughs> That's right. Um, truth be told, we did get shot down a couple times, but. That still don't take away from the fact you have an awesome story to tell, Brother Mark. Well, I appreciate that, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, here I was covering so well right before we crashed and burned. But anyway, <laughs> oh, Brother Mark, you know, God has done so many things um, throughout uh, your life that, you know, I, I've, I've got to really, and I hate to, to show how old I am here. I'm not exactly sure of your age, but... I know I watched you grow up. Uh, me and your brother was best friends, and I spent a lot of time at your house and he at mine and and everything. So I've, I've got to watch you grow up in, into a, a great, great guy, a great Sunday school teacher, great preacher. And, um, and, and I have seen different things that God has done in your life and miracles that he has worked. But I'd like for you today just to, to go in and to, to share – some of your testimony just of, of of how you came to know the Lord as a young man and uh, um, and everything. Um, what what can you tell us on that, Brother Mark? Well, Brother Chad, I can tell you a little bit about my younger years. I guess when you start a story like this, you start out once upon a time. <laughs> <laughs> once that, upon a time in Jolo. That's right. <laughs> there was a time, you know, once, once upon a time. And uh, growing up... Um, we we started out I uh, started out in the Baptist church I was you know no choice of my own it's just where I was where mom took me and uh, but my mom and my grandmother we were Baptists and uh, my brothers and sisters you know by definition I guess and uh, but we went there I was probably about 10 years old or so we was going going to the Baptist church and preacher Gardner was a great man he was probably 70 years old when I remember him 
And uh, uh, I remember there not a whole lot about that. I remember the Bible schools were pretty awesome, and I remember the uh, the old ladies always had the best candy. Um, oh, so I remember that. Um, I remember the church pews were always pretty cool to climb underneath, like you know, like yours out in a you know monkey gym in some ways, uh, little tunnels and such. Uh, but I also remember my mom taking me down to the basement, and I'll probably never forget it. You know, as long as I have half of a brain, but she would take me down the little steps and you know back to the hallway and to the end of the to the basement. The Sunday school rooms pulled the curtains on the left, and the right side was the cafeteria. But when you go beyond those curtains in the cafeteria to the end of the hall, that's where the bathroom was. Uh-huh. And the bathroom is where I learned. Probably as much about church as what I did in church because it was in the bathroom where I learned what to do and what not to do. Sure, church. I had a few of those meetings. (laughs) I had a few of those revivals myself. Oh yeah, (laughs) oh yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, that that was that was that was kind of where we got started at, and uh, where where I got started. Mom discontinued and. from where she was raised and uh probably around my 10 year old self i can't remember the exact day but or how old i was for sure but um i remember we were already going to a christian school in in west virginia and the tuition was going up in price and uh with my mom and dad having five kids um, that they claimed on taxes um you know anyway um I don't know if they claim me the whole time, but you know they claim my taxes. I'm sure, but uh, the tuition was going up, and my dad was disabled, and my mom she was uh, she was uh, she was she was a nurse, still is a nurse. Uh, sometimes she would work part time and try to raise us full time. Sometimes she would work full time and try to raise us full time, and sometimes she wouldn't be working and trying to raise us, you know, double full time. And uh, but tuition was going up, and the reality of it was back in those days, you know, if you didn't have the money to pay for school and then you just couldn't go to school and so knocked up that school the way I understood it to be anyway. And so dad was driving by the King Mountain church where we go to now and uh, he was driving down the road and he noticed some boys and girls out playing basketball and volleyball that had similar attire to what we would wore what we wore to our Christian school. And so he knew it was a Christian school. We didn't know anything about him. They went there, um, didn't really know anything about the church. He we just he just knew it was a Christian school. So he goes home and talks to mom about this. And they have an ideal to come to Virginia and from West Virginia and talk to whoever this person was that was running this school and kind of see what the tuition was. And so and so they make that and they, you know, I don't know, you know, they I remember they tell tell me they was talking to Brother Webb, so I don't know if they promised Brother Webb that I would cut his grass or if they promised him, you know, that I would help wash his car or that my brother and sisters would work around his house. I don't know how they got him to agree, but this old hill jacks from West Virginia, you know, he's like, you know, we'll give him a shot. So here we go. So we we take take ourselves to school over there. And so we're going to school there for two or three years, and we're still going to church at, at the Baptist Church. Still loved all the, all those folks over there, and um, we got invited to a revival. And I think it was Sister Marilyn Richardson that had invited my mom to a revival. Don't quote me on that, but some I think it was Sister Marilyn. But anyway, somebody had had extended an invitation for us to come to the revival. I don't know who the preacher was. I just know that 
mom said we weren't in church, and so we just went to church. And so we come to church. And so, but when we got there, we had a lot of friends we went to school with already. And from that, mom didn't feel like we needed to go back to the Baptist church. And so, interesting up to this point, my mom, although we self-identified as Baptist folks, my mom was already a holiness woman before we came to King Mountain. Right. And yeah. I mentioned that earlier today. Uh, mom, my grand, great grandmother was a uh, was a was a praying woman. She was a shouting woman. And mom had told me that growing up, she remembered seeing her grandmother out milking the cows and feeding the chickens and that kind of stuff, and listen to her, watching her shout and listen wow. to her pray and speak in tongues. And so, you know. I don't know how much mom knew that that was the holiness folks by definition, but mom, she was uh, raised around a holiness woman. And so dad on their side, my father, he was a, uh, he was a primitive Baptist. And so if our listeners don't know what primitive Baptists are, they're what we call the no hillers. And so both of them come from Baptist family. Some were very strong with the, the traditional Baptist that we would think about Baptist free will Baptist, if you will, father was a no heller or a primitive baptist and here i am and so anyway so we're coming to school and uh we start coming to church and mom gets in that i don't know gets in that meeting and she just felt right at home you know seeing people shout and she was already you know um on fire for god she had already changed the way she dressed she already changed the things she looked at she already changed a lot of her self before we ever came to holiness church and so when mom came in and she looked around and seen that there's a lot of women that dressed like she dressed right. and a lot of people that didn't have the television at home like she didn't want to listen to watch television anymore and lord already convicted her of that and she looked around and realized that she wasn't the only one not wearing jewelry that it was it was the fad if you will in that church and so right. all that together she felt the lord led her on into the church and then you know I mean, I didn't have a driver's license, and so I just had a boss. <laughs> and mom said, you're coming to church, and that's how that's how I ended up in the holiness movement. And so, uh, but I remember Brother Chad growing up, you know, we Lord blessed us to go to church and sit under a great pastor and great Sunday school teacher, Brother Robert Deal, oh, yeah. uh, Brother Noah Lester, and, yes, sir. you know, um, Brother Steve Helton, and uh, Brother Ward. Um, I'll probably end up forgetting a bunch of names if I keep going. Brother Dale Ward, but yes, uh, such great teachers and influencers in my life. Uh, I remember we were, we were just growing up and just growing up going to church there and had a lot of great experience and got to go to the homecomings and the camp meetings and uh, very involved in the youth camp. And uh, Brother Tim and Sister Leanne, they were so gracious and uh, took us places and, you know, cared for us and loved on us, you know, that he did to all of us. And really, we, we really felt right at home. Um, and so, uh, so that's kind of where we, where we hung our hat at for a while. Um, but I remember growing up, Brother Chad, um, in, in my teen years, mom always pushed us to go to as many youth camps as we could go to. Right. So she was all, and you know, and now that, you know, we've, we've got three kids running around, you know, I can kind of see two different sides of that. I can kind of see the side <laughs> Where you want your kids to have some good experiences, you want them to meet other kids, have good relationships, um, you know, good people talking to them, good influences in life. But also see the side of it, Brother Chad, that I just want these kids out of my hair. And so, <laughs> and so I'm not really sure why the reason mom and dad wanted pushed us, you know, in, in, into things. But, you know, we were big in the scouts and we'd done a lot of camping there, a lot of youth camps and stuff. And so that's kind of what the middle school and, uh, 
and the, and the high school things kind of looked like. And so that was kind of my youth growing up and, you know, what God had allowed, you know, nothing of my own doing, but right. God had just orchestrated things even as a young age, you know, to, uh, to, to grow up under those kind of, that kind of leadership. Well, I know your mom, uh, your mom and dad are, are, are precious, precious folks. Um, you know, my, my kids still call your dad, uncle Benny. Mm-hmm. Um, and your, your mom has always been, um, so, uh, so precious to me, you know, from, you know, she always treated me like one of her own when I was there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have a lot of memories, a lot of memories there and I could see how she did push y'all to, um, really get that experience mm-hmm. with God. I mean, she she really seemed to give it her all that anytime you was around Sister Jennifer, um, you know, she was not somebody who spoke out a lot. I mean, as far as that goes, as far as, uh, you know, you may go to church and, you know, unless you're sitting with her talking to her, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, she she's... You know, you're probably not going to hear her speak a whole lot, you know, as far as that goes. But she always, you could tell just her heart was pushing her children. She wanted to see her children have a close relationship with God. She herself wanted to have a close relationship with God. And and uh, we saw the benefits of that many times, you know, during the services, even mm-hmm. sitting there in her own pew, you know, God would move on her and she'd be shouting and, yeah. and, and things. And, um she was a, a precious lady and and no doubt her and your dad both had a great influence uh, on 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 the man you've become today um, but uh, now you you talked about getting us all the way up through your your teenage years mm-hmm. and uh, you know as a teenager you know you you did you ever face any trials or backlash maybe from other teenagers in the community around where you lived of of why you were choosing to go to a Christian school instead of the public school mm-hmm. or maybe even from your own family? I know there's, you know, I've had uh, family members talk about it, uh, you know, of, uh, you know, why, why would you send your kid to a Christian school? Why would you, you know, they if you're not familiar with it, um, and you don't have that same focus, uh, yeah. then then it just it, it's so abnormal to you to think of, you know, why would you not just put them on the bus and send them to right. to the public school? You know, why right. why would you take the time to have to drive them down there and and, and go through this trouble and and then you know uh, you know are they even going to be able to get into college? You know, right. uh, so there's all this different things that uh, a stigma, so to speak of um of christian schools and so did did you face a lot of backlash of that that you can remember growing up um from family or friends or or people in the neighborhood that just didn't understand the path that your family had chosen right yeah brother Chad, we i did i do remember some things of that um i remember just because of the circle some of the circles we would run in um Mom, she was always, and Dad, they were always big into Cub Scouts and to, to Boy Scouts and the 4-H club um, and church. And so we just done a lot of different things. And uh, um, But 
just because of the, some of the contacts we had by definition, not that we were important, we weren't important, I'm still not important, but uh, but some of the people we, we would we would go camping with and stuff was very well connected to the local politics. And, sure. uh, and I remember growing up that one of those real close connections to the politics was in a position where he could make a statement um, and he did make the statement that I don't understand why you would go, your kids would go to that Christian school. Public school has a lot more to offer. Um, you know, we've got better classes, we've got better education. Uh, it won't cost you anything. You know, I remember that kind of thing. And so, but something else I, I realized about that um, was um, that same person that had those thoughts was also in a position that he overseen a lot of the money that came into a particular school and it would be a school that we would go to and if we went to the bubble school route and so uh the statement that was made was that you know if you can bring your kids into this school or schools then that would increase the amount of funding that we have for our other programs you know and there's only two or three of us there's probably a couple hundred people went there you know right. already uh, but yeah, we did. We did have some pressure, you know, some political pressure. Mom and Dad did. You know, I don't understand why you would do that. Why would you not? And then, as far as uh, um, other pressure uh, that I felt, you know, as a young man, and you know, sometimes as young people, we we have these wild, crazy aspirations. You know, you think you're invincible. We, well, I remember playing t-ball and, and baseball, and um, when I was a little kid. And if you watch me on the softball field now you would think I never even heard of the game, you know. <laughs> I'm no good at all. But, you know, I like to watch other people play, you know. Right. I really like it when I get to play and hit the ball and have a young person run for me. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, yeah, that's so, good. Yeah, that's good stuff. Advantage of being older now. That's, <laughs> that's right. Uh, but I remember being a little kid, man, and, you know, my parents were okay with, with T-ball. We were okay with baseball. So for some reason, I would get into the All-Stars. I don't know why. I think they just needed a couple extra people, a little water boy or something. I don't know. I don't know how I ended up in All-Stars. But did that a few times. But I always wanted to play football. And I didn't know why. Now, I thought this, this is a tribute to Mom. Um, I always wanted to play football. And the local coach to where we lived at wanted me to play football because I was a little broader-shouldered. Or maybe he just liked the way I ran, you know. He just watched my belly jiggle. I don't know. <laughs> But he got a dude out of it. But he was wanting me to play football. And I remember I wanted to play football. And he's just a little tiny school. And um, But mom, she drew the line at football. And the reason why is that the games were on Wednesdays and Sundays. Yeah. And so, you know, she was okay with mom. Dad was okay. And, you know, dad, did, he really didn't mind either way, I guess. But mom, she was Wednesday. Anyway, but I felt that pressure as a young kid that I wanted to – I was already doing these, some of these other games, but I wanted to play football, but the pressure was on to play football because I thought I could really do something. I don't know what I was going to do. Uh, but also, Mom had that uh, had that pressure there, and her pressure was stronger than my pressure, and her pressure said, you're not going to play football. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember being a, a young kid and feeling the pressure within myself and then the political pressure from around us, you know, well, why not go to a, to, a, to a public school and you know, that kind of stuff. And then even in, even in scouting, you know, and you've got good and bad people everywhere, good and bad kids everywhere. But I remember being in scouts and feeling like I was somewhat of an outcast. You sure. Because yeah. there's only a few of us, maybe just airframe, that went to a Christian school. Maybe some other people went to uh, uh, Mount Mission. But mo the majority of them went to public school. And um, and along with that, the majority of them listened to music that we would listen to. And the majority of them would do different things that we didn't do. 
And so did have some pressure that way, you know, why do you not go to, to public school? I remember feeling those kind of pressures. And so, but it all wasn't bad memories, but as far as the pressure, there was definitely pressure there. Absolutely. They, um, you know, talking about, you know, the pressures of, of a child and, you know, a lot of times we, we don't realize the pressure that a child faces. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, your, your, your mom and them made, you know, the right decisions. Um, but, you know, the, the overwhelming, um, pressure that can be placed on a child sometimes for those, um, decisions that were made right. can, can, can be so extreme. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, did, did your parents ever sit down and, and talk to you and be like, Hey, you know, um, you know, there was a lot of times even in my childhood that I'm like, man, I don't understand why you're not allowing me to do this. You know? Right. Was there ever a time they sit down and was just like, Hey, you know, I know you don't understand right now, you know, but this is why we do this. And you're going to understand this maybe in the long run. Right. You know, um, and I, I feel like it's so important to do. Right. Uh, especially in the day and time we live in because, uh, they're probably looked on now. Children today would probably be looked on even more as an outcast now than than what they were probably in mind your day, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for, for being part of a, a private school like that. But uh, was there a point when your mom and dad finally had to, to set you down and be like, well, you know, this is why we do, you know, this is why we're making these decisions. Right. Um, you know, you and I have tried from the very onset of this to, to, to say – it's important for you to not only know what you believe, but why you believe it. Right. Was there a point where your parents had to say, you know, Mark, I know you don't understand right now, but this is why we believe, you know, this is why we're making these decisions Mm -hmm. is because we believe this. Right. And, uh, yeah, there there were, there were moments like that. And honestly, brother Chad, when they would tell me that, I just, I just thought they were full blown. <laughs> you know, for me, uh, transpa- you know, hey, what I'm that's absolute transparency, right? You know, there. and I, mean, I just really like, is. you know, I don't understand why uh, I can't play football. I, I totally, know. I totally get where you're going. You know, I get that. Uh, but it reminds me of of a, of a Bible verse, and uh, you know, the Bible verse tells us in Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, "Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves." Right. Uh, now, sometimes. You know, I would I would obey them that had the rule over me and submit myself because I chose to. Right. And other times I didn't have much of a choice unless I was going to deal with the consequences, like what we talked about last week. You know Absolutely. What I mean? And yeah. so either way, I would end up submitting. You know, right. sometimes it would hurt a little more. You know, <laughs> on on the on the back end than others. You know. Right. <laughs> but the Bible says, "For they watch for your souls; they must give an account. They may do, do with joy or not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you." But there, there was a few times, you know, when uh, when I didn't understand, but. I had to go with it, you know. Was there a point as a teenager where you was like, Mom and Dad, I see where Mom and Dad is going with this now. Yeah. And they definitely was making the right choices. Yeah. Maybe looking at some of the friends that was going to the public school or something and look at the lives their family was in and being like, I, I see. Yeah. You know, I, I see where they were going, you know. Yeah, I think so. Uh, that reminds me of a, of a story, a uh, true story. Man, I that's a lot of these stories I wish wasn't true. <laughs> but one true story, I remember, uh, you know, you, you, when you're a teenager, I don't know what makes us think this, made me think this. I may be the only person that ever thought this. But you just think you're invincible. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And your mom just tells your dad tells you, you know, be home at ten, ten thirty latest. You know, and now it sounds pretty good in theory until it's time for you know camp meeting on a Friday night. And everybody knows a camp meeting on a Friday night. We just stay out late. We have a good time. We go play volleyball and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I remember being a little, being younger, a teenager. Yeah, I was driving, so I guess I was at least sixteen. And uh, it was a Friday night, and it was the end of camp meeting. We went somewhere to play volleyball. I can't remember what it was. And uh, Todd Ward was with me. I hate to even throw a name out there, but he was. It seems like every time I got in trouble, Todd was involved somehow. I don't know. I've been there. <laughs> but Todd was with me that night, and we was uh, we was going to go play volleyball. We went and played volleyball. I can't remember who else was in the car. But on the way home, we stopped by McDonald's, and we got two sweet teas. And I got two sweet teas because I had to drive. I was half asleep. And... Uh, I don't know if that made Todd nervous or not. It made me a little nervous, so I got two sweet teas. And so I went home that night, and it was like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, I knew. I knew I should have been home by 10, 10.30, maybe 11, something like that, but definitely later than that. And, man, I'm pouring in there, and I come across the bridge, and I turn the lights off, you know, just going by the street kind of lights, kind of coasting in. Well, the time I was coasting in, Mom was coasting out the door. <laughs> and Mom caught me, man. I was I was so late, you know, getting home that night. The next day, man, she she gave me a lot of grace, you know, more than what I probably deserved. But but I ended up having to cut the the hillside. It took me all day to do it, man. I was sweating my guts out. And so, but it was what time I was sweating my guts out, brother Chad, that I realized, you know, I could have been out late tonight. And I could have had a car accident. I didn't have a cell phone. Uh, no way didn't know anybody if I went over the wrong mountain. You know what I'm saying? Went right. in the wrong ditch. I came in sitting there for hours. Anything could happen. And I think it was that night when I realized that, you know, just because I'm a teenager and I'm living under somebody's roof, even if it don't make sense to me at that time, they really are trying to their best to help me to grow right and watching out for my soul that because they have to give an account. Oh. You know, and so, uh, and I think it was that night. Uh, I don't know how I got on the tangent, but uh, but there was there was a few few times when it when the light bulb finally came on that the rules that they set for me wasn't to hurt me, right? It was to keep me safe. Yes, sir. And there's nothing, there's no fear like that fear of when the silhouette of your mother comes floating. Through the <laughs> oh man, I tell you about that. Oh man, <laughs> I know exactly. Mine, mom never came out on the porch, but it was when I opened that door and here she come floating through the kitchen. Oh, oh man, you didn't uh, want the spirit. You wished it was a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Thought I was going to be a ghost. But it was old mom. <laughs> yeah, good old mom. <laughs> but, uh. And so, uh, moving on now, Brother Mark, through your teenage years. Um, you know, you, you being from, you know, uh, West Virginia coming from across the mountain like that, Mm -hmm. was it difficult as far as like, um, you know, most of your friends would have been on the opposite side of the mountain, you know, most of your friends that went to that church, went to that school, right? you know, you you were kind of isolated from them. Mm -hmm. From the time you left school of the evening till you know back then we didn't have the cell phones right uh you didn't even have internet mm-hmm. we didn't have the the xboxes where you can play online mm-hmm. uh so i mean 
other than your brothers and sisters and then you know i guess there you know you might have had some neighbor kids around your age that you could could have played with in that area but um you know how hard was that as a you know as far as feeling probably isolated from kids of like faith um that you could that could be supportive of you and and helping you you know how hard of a battle did you have with that i remember it was somewhat of a battle Brother Chad, I remember being a, a, a child, and really, air when we started coming to church and school at King Mountain, our life was in Virginia. Now we lived in West Virginia, right? You know, we lived we lived an hour away. We was about an hour drive one way. Um, well, it depends on who was driving, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we make it fifty minutes, you know, depending <laughs> on who's driving. Uh, and if it was a holiday weekend, right? Oh yeah. Uh, uh, but as long um, as they wasn't working on Bill Young, <laughs> exactly. But I, I remember growing up. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think it would bother my, my older brothers more than it bothered me because I just got used to the jokes, you know. But you hear about West Virginia jokes all the time. All you know, the time. Even, yeah. even now I like a good West Virginia joke. I sure, tell a good West Virginia yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll listen to a good Kentucky joke, Virginia joke. It don't matter to me. West Virginia joke, I don't care where it well, is. Yeah. But uh, I remember being a young boy, and uh, I felt a little ostracized just because I was from West Virginia. Right. And... Not just from West Virginia, I was from McDowell County, which is the southernmost county of West Virginia, the poorest county, the southernmost county, the most ostracized county. Um, And actually, for a history lesson, at one point in our our existence in McDowell County, we were called the Free State of McDowell. I don't know if you knew that. Wow. Yeah, I remember uh, a representative from that area, I'd go to, went to Charleston and uh, done some paging with them there in the court, or in the, uh, in in the, uh, uh, I want to say courthouse, but it's not a courthouse. In the Capitol building, a couple of times, but he would stand up. Mr. Fanning would stand up. And he says, "I'm Mr. Fanning. I'm from the Free State of Medell." And the, re- <laughs> the reason why we were the Free State of Medell is there was a portion of time where Virginia didn't want Medell County, and West Virginia didn't want Medell County. And it wasn't until we realized that people realized that Medell County was full of coal that they started or- arguing over Medell County. Wow. And it actually went to West Virginia. So that's kind of interesting history story. Oh, yeah. County. But I remember being from the county, you know, and hearing the West Virginia jokes. And, I, you know, I felt like a well, kind of in the, in the crowd, in crowd, because I went to church and school over there. But, yeah, there, there was times, you know, that, that where I lived at, uh, I felt like I was, I was different from where I lived at, yeah. if that makes sense. All right, folks. We're going to go ahead and put a pause on this episode here. Um, if you want to... Join us back next week for the remainder of Brother Mark's testimony. He's going to get in. We've always called ourselves the potluck of podcasts. So next week, this has just been dessert. We're going to get into the meat and potatoes next week. And so be sure to come. Oh, man, I'd like to have some meat and potatoes right now. But uh, be sure to join us back next week, and we will finish this out. Uh, Brother Mark's got some some great uh, testimony still to share. And so, until then, be sure to make every moment count. God bless you. When I